Thank you for joining us on another episode of Lindsay Live. On today's show, we will explore motivating learning opportunities. We all know that our learners are most motivated to learn when content is interesting, authentic, challenging, and meaningful. But this hasn't always been the case in traditional time-based learning systems. In order to achieve what we call motivating learning opportunities, we must move on from the top-down instructional approach commonly used in traditional classrooms to a learner-centered approach. We should remain focused on the learner's needs and interests. We are not simply passing our own knowledge and beliefs along to the learner. Rather, we aim to help prepare them to creatively design their own unique future. Our purpose is to equip learners with the 21st century skills and growth mindset they need in order to pursue their own vision for college and career and to succeed in the information age. In Lindsay, learners are motivated and excited to come to school because their learning experiences are matched to not only their own developmental learning level, but also their own interests and learning styles. Learners set goals, know what they're learning, understand why it's important, and give input on how to demonstrate it. In order to ensure that learning experiences are relevant to the interests and motivations of each learner, we allow them to have a role in the design process. As co-designers of their own learning, our learners are able to demonstrate evidences of mastery in ways that are relevant to their own personal objectives. As opportunities for learner agency increase, so does the need to build and support learner accountability. One method for creating motivating learning opportunities is to tie them to a real-world relevant problem through project-based mentality. When learners are motivated to solve a larger problem, the academic skills they need to learn are likely to be viewed as tools for success rather than tasks to complete. On today's podcast, we'll talk with Brandon Cohen, an expert on project-based mentality. Brandon is a national faculty member at the Buck Institute for Education. He has recently worked with Lindsay Unified to help us inject project-based mentality into our curriculum. During his visit, he sat down with us to talk about the advantages of this strategy. Brandon, thank you for coming on the show today. We're excited to have you with us. Why don't you start by giving us a little background on yourself? My name is Brandon Cohen. I'm born and raised in San Diego. I went to school for civil and environmental engineering. I I found that that didn't really resonate with me after I was in an office for about a year. I moved over to running a couple fabrication shops and it's there that I I got those project management skills. Once the housing market went bad, I shifted over to teaching. A friend offered me a, a job in a middle school. That middle school was quite regimented and while I loved teaching, I, I needed a little more freedom. I'd heard of High Tech High and the work that was being done there. I was really attracted to the way that High Tech High gave teachers the freedom to teach to their passion and to engage students in a more authentic way with authentic projects that connected to the adult world and were relevant to their lives and to the community it just gave more purpose to what we did. Tell us about what brings you here to Lindsay and how did you make the transition to consulting? I was at High Tech High for four years and I had a great four years there. 
while I was there, uh, one of my colleagues introduced me to BIE, the Buck Institute for Education, and the work that they're doing. I inquired with BIE and ended up joining their national faculty. The national faculty consists of, I think, about 70 or 80 different educators now, and we contract through BIE to provide consulting services in project-based learning. After starting with BIE, I, I found that I really enjoyed working with adults and I felt I could have a greater impact on education, working with educators, teachers, learning facilitators, helping them improve their teaching methods and introducing them to project-based learning. When you say project-based learning, what does that mean? Project-based learning is an authentic way for students to grapple with a challenging problem or question that engages them with the content that they need to learn. It also helps the students or the learners develop those success skills that they really need to carry through the rest of their life. Those success skills are the four C's that you hear about, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. What did your work in the private sector teach you that helps you equip learners with those four C skills? In the private sector, I developed the skill of project management, which definitely helped me manage the many number of projects you have in a single classroom, because each student or each group of students might have a different project under the umbrella of the main project idea. And also, yeah, in the private sector, I learned how to communicate effectively. I learned how to collaborate with others. I also learned how to think critically. I, I approached problems as they arose and devised solutions, put those solutions into action. I believe that PBL arms students with those skills that they really need in an adult life. They don't necessarily need to be memorizing a bunch of information, which is what education has been for many, many years. A lot of the learning that we did as kids had to do with memorizing what you need to memorize. There was skill development, and usually that skill development was based around academic skills. But as adults, in our professional lives, we use critical thinking, communication, and collaboration more than anything else. Education should be about developing the person, not necessarily re remembering a bunch of information. And how do we put those ideas into practice? What does a project-based learning environment look like in comparison to a traditional classroom? In traditional classrooms, you find that the teacher is on the stage. In a PBL classroom, it's no longer the sage on the sta stage, it's the guide on the side. The whole point in a PBL classroom is for the teacher to have a structured environment where the stage is set for the students to engage in the inquiry necessary to complete the project. In a PBL classroom, the students need to know isn't, I need to know this because there's going to be a test. The need to know isn't, I need to learn this because the teacher says so. The need to know is they're engaged in an authentic project where they're creating some sort of product that's going to be public and they need to know or engage with the content in order to do this project. 
for instance, in my example of the Birds of the San Diego River project, my students had to create interpretive signage for the different parks along the San Diego River. That meant that they needed to know about the physical, chemical, and biological characteristics. They needed to know the predator-prey interactions. They need to know all of these things that are related to the content and the standards of my class in order to create that interpretive signage. So the student's motivation wasn't teacher says so or there's going to be a test. It was, I'm going to have interpretive signage along the San Diego River, so I better learn this stuff so my signage is accurate. The motivation to learn is driven by necessity as opposed to compelled by a teacher or a test. They're not being compelled by grades. They're not being compelled by the, the threat, <laughs> the threat of a test. They're, they're compelled because they had an element of choice within the framework of the classroom. So in a science classroom, they might have choice as far as the kind of environment they are investigating. And through that choice and the authenticity of the project, the real world connection or the adult world connection, the relevance to the students, they are compelled to engage with the content. I was in a math classroom in Lindsay this morning where Students were engaged with the content of functions and other math skills through looking at their own diets. It was a project where students are, in the end, creating a recipe book where the recipes are broken down and explained through exercise needed in order to justify eating that food. No longer is an enchilada recipe just about the ingredients of the recipe. It's about how much is a serving and how much exercise do you need to do to justify eating that serving or eating that second serving. So suddenly the students in that math classroom are engaged with math content as it applies to their own health and what they eat. Driving it home, putting the learning right where they live. <laughs> exactly. Brandon Cohen, it's been great to have you. We appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure working with you. And one of the great pleasures of my professional life is coming back to Lindsay and working with the learning facilitators here. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. We have an exciting panel discussion coming up for you in just a moment. But first, let's take some time to hear from the most important voices in the performance-based system, our learners. Lindsay learners Louis Cha and Christopher Castro recently stopped by to share their experiences with motivating learning opportunities. Hi, my name is Louis Cha and I'm a senior at Lindsay High School. A unique learning opportunity that made me want to explore more was in engineering, where I got introduced to the internet project my freshman year. The Internet Project is an internship for architecture students, and it gave us the chance to have our design be featured in an actual real-world project, which was super cool. This project really made me understand that the things that we do in our engineering classrooms really does apply to the real world, which made me want to do it for all four years in high school. This affected me in real life, so I decided that next year I would go to college for computer science and engineering. My name is Christopher Castro. I'm a learner at JJ Karens. 
One thing JJ Karens does to motivate me to learn is the internship program. This program at JJ's allows me to go out in the community to learn real life skills at a local business. This motivates me because it is giving me the opportunity to learn the things I love to do. It helped me figure out the kind of things I'd like to do as a career. I love to work with computers, so interning at the district office, working with a digital media specialist really helps. I learn all about the Adobe softwares and all the tools essential to complete creative video projects. Thank you to Lewis and Chris. A couple of success stories from Lindsay's performance-based system. Congratulations to them as they each get ready to graduate in the coming days. Bright futures ahead for both. Joining me in the studio now, three individuals who help Lindsay learners like Lewis and Chris build towards those futures every day. I'm here with Tyler Campbell, Eric Gonzalez, and Debbie Afseyev, three Lindsay educators who have created powerful motivating learning opportunities for learners in their respective learning communities. Tyler is a learning facilitator who helped develop Lindsay High School's Learning Academies and Pathway program. The program allows high school learners to craft their education around a career path relevant to their interests and aspirations. Eric is the student advocate at John J. Cairns High School, where he has helped create an internship program that places learners directly into the Lindsay community by pairing them with mentors from local businesses who can help guide their transition into a career. Debbie is a learning facilitator at the Washington Learning Community and the brains behind the enchilada recipe activity that Brandon spoke about earlier in the show. As a learning facilitator, she's constantly dreaming up new and exciting ways to connect learning to the everyday lives of our learners in purposeful and relevant ways. Thank you all for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Tyler, I want to start with you. Can you tell us about the Learning Academies at Lindsay High School? How did this idea come about and what does it offer our learners that other school districts might be missing? So really, uh, the learning academies, and there's, there's two separate things. There's the academies and the pathways. The pathways here at LHS, every learner has to you know, choose one when they come to high school. The idea being that they're working towards a profession that they might be interested in. And then we have a couple academies, which are actually pathways, but they're cohort where their core classes, such as English and math, are aligned with that, that core work-related academy. Engineering, you know, they're taking math on the side that's related to engineering. They're also taking an English class that's related to engineering. And then the other pathways, all learners at LHS have to get at least three sequential courses in a pathway to, in order to graduate. So we actually stick behind that, that, that pathway and make sure that they really get that experience. Now, you not only helped build this program, but you also serve as a learning facilitator in both the music and video game production classes. So how are these classes different than similar subjects at a traditional school? Well, the fun part is, I wrote a lot of the classes myself, so I started out with, with engagement and finding out what do the kids like, which I had learned over the years of working with students not in a, in a non-teacher role, just realizing what they're into, and I realized they love to, to make music <laughs> and they love video games. So I kind of got to you know inject all these standards that are related to the CTE standards of California into these courses that I wrote from scratch. And so it's all about engagement. The kids will learn the hard stuff as long as they want to, they, they have a goal in mind. They have something they want to achieve, which in my courses is basically two things, making awesome music from scratch and making awesome uh, games and apps from scratch. And why do you think that helps motivate your learners? Uh, because they, they want to do things. I mean, at the end of the day, all, all learners want to accomplish things. They do. It's just, it's a matter of finding out what 
things those are and then figuring out how can I write a class that is, is rigorous and really tough but results in them getting what they, what they wanted, which is, is to make something really cool and creative. So very similar to what Eric is doing over at JJ, JJ is unique in that it puts learners directly into the local business community and gives them real-world experience. Eric, tell us a little bit about that internship community and the goals for its learners. Definitely. Well, JJ, you, you hit it on the button. JJ is, is definitely unique in the fact that we took that the whole pathway and academy philosophy and we wanted to give our learners real-world experience. But we didn't want to put limitations on our learners. We didn't want our learners to, to kind of fall into certain columns and say, this is a pathway, this is a pathway, this is an academy. What we did was we, we bulldozed education in alternative ed as, as known and we, we went to our learners and we said, what do you guys want? What is your passion? What do you, what drives you? What do you want to do after high school? And some was, I want to go to college. Others were, I want to be engineers or I want to be a veterinarian or I want to be a mechanic, install radios. And what we decided was we were going to go out and connect each learner to a local business or community member that could help them reach those goals. Our philosophy is it, each learner gets real world experience. We connect that directly to their academic learning in the school. It's been an amazing process. It's been an, a, a great program, and this is our second year implementing real-world learning. Our learners have taken to it, and it's kind of spidered out to not only Lindsay, but we got learners out in Visalia, Cahuilla Delta, the Tulare County Animal Shelter. We got learners who just say, "I want this," and we help them find it. That's awesome. You guys just you guys just got out there. That's that's that was my favorite part. Is, you boots know, on the ground. They really connected, <laughs> they really connected the community. I mean, that's everyone. Everyone I talked to, it's like you guys are out there connecting learners directly to the source. And, and similar to Tyler, what what was given to us was that free range of saying, "Figure something new out and make it happen." Really, what it came down to was knocking on businesses' doors, going out there and saying, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Would you be interested in helping out our learners? And the response that we got from the community has been amazing. Um, overwhelmingly, they've, they've opened their doors and they accepted our learners. And the view of what J.J. Karen's is has changed dramatically. Um, it used to be, oh, those kids at J.J. Karen's. Those are the troublemaker kids. You don't want to go to that school. And now we got learners who want to go to the school just for that opportunity. We got businesses that at first said, oh, we don't want to take that kind of a kid. And we're like, well, what kind of kid is that? Um, and so after that first year, it, it opened up their eyes to when you give a learner the opportunity to do something that they really love, that they can flourish no matter what. And now we have businesses that are saying, can we have more? I can't believe it. we have businesses saying, I want to send that learner to college and hopefully they'll come back and work for me. And so that free range of saying, hey, make it happen, as scary as it is because you're going out there not knowing what, what's going to come of it, it really did help us get to where we're at right now. It's awesome. Taking learning and connecting it to the real world, helping them understand the relevance of their education. Yeah, the, the real world is their learning environment. There is no walls confining them. The real world is where they are going to implement what they learn in that classroom. To see the learner get outside of a classroom and learn the exact same thing that they would not have wanted to learn in the classroom <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> because it, it, their mindset, and, and it really goes to the, 
that growth mindset of, man, we can do it. But that change is, is amazing because they would have rejected it in the classroom. But now that they're out there in real life and they're implementing it, they love it. Yeah, when I was young, my, my learning, I would always tell people my education was when I got home and got on my computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And right. so because exactly. the stuff I wanted to learn wasn't at school. So my real passions would be when I got home. And so that's where that stuff that I loved doing when I was a kid, I just decided to bring it into the classroom, just like basically. And now you're and facilitating it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful circle. Debbie, you've found ways to bring that real life experience into your learning environment. We recently talked with Brandon Cohen about an enchilada recipe project that you run in your learning environment. Did we do, bring you a sample study? Do you guys, <laughs> do you Hi, next time. Uh, can you speak a little bit about how you connect the learning to the lives of your learners and make it relevant to their personal motivations? It's just like what everybody was saying, kind of making the curriculum and learning tar targets meaningful, relevant, really personal. Back in during spring break, I did a class, um, a mini credential called Project Based Learning with Brandon Cohen. I looked at my content level eight learning math targets, specifically functions, and created a project about ma um, nutrition, uh, health, calories, exercise, integrating my three functional uh, learning targets. So when my learners were researching, analyzing, collecting data, and reflecting about food consumption, nutrition, calories, and then converting those calories into minutes of exercise, because they've seen calories and they're like, I don't know what those mean. Taking our functional learning targets and looking at those and going, okay, how can we convert those into minutes of exercise? And I have a lot of sports-minded students. They actually took that and went, wait a second here. If I eat all this, I have to exercise or do basketball for 210 minutes a day. Wait a second here. No, I'm not doing that. And so they saw calories as really a way of better informing their own food consumption. They were working on their functions as well, writing functions, making graphs and tables, uh, formulating equations. And I really saw when they were very motivated um, bringing in family recipes and going, okay, these family recipes, how do I find the total calories? And then from these total calories, how do I convert those into minutes of exercise? And then from there, how am I going to really look at my health in a in a different way and they're eighth graders eighth graders 13 14 year olds now need to take charge of their health and i'm a big advocate of health and exercise and i was talking to you too earlier about going in shape and um you know i mean and that's what i did to motivate them it wasn't just in the class teaching them functions okay here's a graph here's a table here's you know no 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 it was taking a project nutrition and exercise and then really looking at that with integrating our like learning targets definitely i'm diabetic mm -hmm. and a lot of that i never even took into consideration prior to 25 i ate whatever yeah. i wanted i never thought about it my metabolism was fast and then it's like man now i have to watch everything yeah. i eat so learning and, and that's that what i have i have learners that um they look at they didn't realize how you know water consumption or uh, hour, number of hours of sleep, um, intensity and duration of exercise, um, how many calories you're eating a day really affect you. And it may not affect you now, but later in life, it's going to catch up to you. And then what, you know, and I want them just to be better informed and not change everything, but so, one to so two small things. So diet of hot and Cheetos and nachos is You know, not that's what it is at, at Washington here, you know. Cheetos. <laughs> 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 Moderation. Yeah. <laughs> in the same way that every workout plan and every diet is different, we know that every learner is different as well. How do we ensure that they have a voice in crafting their learning to fit their lives and not necessarily just the lives of the learning facilitator? 
I know in our program that we want our learners' voice to be more powerful than the learning facilitator's voice. We want them to really take ownership of their life, and the only way they can do that is by taking ownership of their learning. And by them taking that ownership, allowing them to choose what field they want to study, allowing them to choose the best method of learning that's for them, ultimately gets them more engaged in education. And if we can motivate them, if we can get them to like something, the achievement levels will skyrocket, and we've seen it. We have learners that come to us with a 34% um, attendance rate and now have 95% attendance rate. We have learners that come to us with five credits as juniors <laughs> and now are getting ready to graduate. By connecting them to something that they really like does amazing things. And we do, we operate off the same standards, we operate off the same MTs. It's not a dumbed down version of what happens at a comprehensive site. The amazing thing about our district is that our superintendent holds our continuation school at the same standard as the high school. Um, so the academic rigor is equal to what they're going to get at any other school. And, and, and they're doing it. And really it's because of what they're engaged in. It's because what they love, their passions are really coming through. And when you see that and you talk to them and their mentors come and th that, that brightness that they get, I mean, there's no stopping it. It's amazing when they come and they start talking about, we got kids in radiology who are doing these x-rays and, you know, the way they're converting everything. It's like, wow, that, that's amazing. And so to be able to get them engaged and give them that voice and choice is really everything. That That's what what gets the ball rolling in, in our in our environment. Yeah, it's the same here. I mean, that, the, the fun part about being able to design my program here as well is that, you know, a lot of my assignments I write them where it's all pure project based, a little bit of direct instruction here and there. But um, the fun part is if you want to if you want to make a game, if you want to make a, a, an app, if you want to make you know your own creation that no one's even thought of yet, you can do that as long as you're hitting the principles, the standards that I wrote out right. that connect right. to the California CT standards. Definitely. And so they, they get that voice and choice. And, you know, for my music class, you know, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, you guys just do hip hop and maybe you, you rap on the mics and all that. It's fun. I, I literally have every different style of music you could possibly think of. I have some that are doing film scoring. I have some that are, that are into Latin style music, some that are in here playing the violin. I mean, it's it's all over the place. And that's the fun is that they really get to choose it. I've heard I've heard this from several learners this year that my classes are sometimes the only reason they get up in the morning to yep. go to school. It's relevant. And I like to hear that's that. And, usually, and the hardest part is me just having to kick them out the other day, like, I have to go home and get home to my, my son. Because <laughs> they, they, they would literally just come here and hang out, you know, all the time. And, and that's, to me, that's the real fun part about, about this job. And, and like Eric said, having leadership that allows us to do those kinds of things that the kids get into and to still have the rigor, all that, but to, to ignite that passion and, and feed the flame. That's the fun part about, about working in Lindsay. Now, one thing that you keep saying is, is the fun part, the fun part, the fun part. And... Academic rigor doesn't mean you have to drain out the fun. So true. I think wholeheartedly that fun should determine that academic rigor. Because if I really want to achieve something and I'm having fun doing it, I'm going to achieve it. And I think these learners are, are the same way. And, and I know we always get told that because we're a continuation school that we, we do things different or it's easier. And it's not. It's just a, a different way of, of showing it. And and. That's the amazing thing about performance-based system is show us you know it. 
You know, you tell me how you're going to show it, but show us you know it. Show us that you, you've mastered that level. And um, they race to that occasion as long as they're having fun. And, 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 and again, you see it here, you see it. You ask any learner, what's the best subject you have? And if it's English or it's math or whatever it is, home ec, you know, that's where they give their whole heart to. And if you can make all learning fun, they're going to jump up. They're going to step up to that. And they're going to they're gonna achieve anything that we ask of them. But we got to keep that in mind that, you know, we have to have fun with life. And I think that's one thing that a lot of academic environments kind of lose sight of. Yeah, but I don't think it's it's that easy. It's mm-hmm. easier, like for me in my math, I can sit there and just write some equations down and let's just do some, mm-hmm. m- you know, meaningless, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, data right there. But when you actually take it, to them personally like for my project when we were doing the nutrition I originally wanted them to go out go to McDonald's or Taco Bell or wherever they eat at get a menu with the cal with the calories and then convert all those into minutes of exercise and then the kid said well why don't we just do our own recipes we all have family recipes (laughs) and what was so neat about that they were so motivated because they went this is what we're actually eating. This is what our families are making for us. Let's see how many calories. The tortillas. Yeah. (laughs) No no joke. I had one kid that went, wait a second, I use a cup of um, oil, vegetable (laughs) oil. And he realized, yeah, he went 1,960 calories. And then a kid across went, mine is a cup of oil too. I'm going to erase that and put one fourth cup of oil and make it a little bit healthier. And I didn't have to tell him to do that. <laughs> right. He did it on his own just <laughs> from knowing that. And they're just and that's what they did. And then they went, you know what? Can you just put all these recipes together and give them to us a promotion? <laughs> we have a book for that. And you can have the oh, data there, like a mathematician yeah, recipe book. And they I set goals it. for themselves. I didn't tell them what goals to set. As long as they were also doing the math and the math learning targets are functions. Um, some of them said, you know what? I'm going to up my water consumption so that I'm drinking at least half my body weight. Some of them said I'm going to increase my hours of sleep. Some of them said I want to have balanced meals and have those 500 calories for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then two 250-calorie snacks somewhere. They all were working on something. They were reflecting and critiquing as well, peer review. And it was almost like the first time I could actually sit back, watch the kids work, and I wasn't getting on to them. And it wasn't just ho-hum oh now she's get you know now we're doing this workbook or anything but again i think that in order to really have a powerful project integrating learning targets you you, you really have to plan it's not something that just can come off of the top of your head it's it's a little bit more work but in the long run the kids are loving it and, and that's really what it's about all right my learners i just challenged them uh, a couple months ago to make an educational game for other Lindsay learners one of them uh, was teaching Spanish accents, and it won second place in the COS uh, game design competition among uh, the whole county. Congrats, we're, we're wow. Tr- yeah, we're trying to figure out how to make these, these educational games that actually could be used to teach other Lindsay learners things that typically are kind of boring to learn. So that obviously was a genius way for you to do the recipes. So, yeah, I think and, try- and, yeah. trying to come up with creative ways to make things that have traditionally been looked at as boring but really aren't it's just they've been delivered in a boring way yeah and and i think also we have to create multiple learning opportunities as well you can't just have them in the classroom the whole time you have to have them using those 21st century skills you have to like i had my kids i said when i first started this i said okay let's look at these chocolate kisses 
okay, so 200 calories for nine. Okay, let's do the math. Okay, so 22 calories for one. All right, so that's, and I had done this already, and I said, okay, that's one lap around the playground. How many you want, one or two or three? Yep. And it was amazing because some kids said, you know, at the beginning, I want all the candy, and now, no, I don't <laughs> want any, or I just want one. And they were really thinking about it. Oh, my gosh, let's convert this into exercise. And not that they have to burn off every single calorie um, and convert that into minutes of exercise in any way, but at least be really better informed and, and other students from other classes, hey, what are you guys doing? I want to do that. And so I, I like that motivation. And, and I think as we continue to evolve, I mean, it sounds like we're all kind of on the cutting edge of, of making change in education. And I think as, as we continue to evolve, we're going we're gonna to discover that there's so many new ways and, and different opportunities that we haven't even tapped into. And, you know, that's the, the amazing thing about our district is that we're not afraid to, to take those jumps into what can it be. When you look at it, and you, if you're if you're on the outside and you're looking in, and, and it's kind of crazy, like what are they doing over there? <laughs> it's working. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's working because our, our learners are, are achieving. They're making academic gains that are just tremendous. How do you make this work? What kind of advice would you give to someone who wants to inject motivating learning opportunities, like the ones you have all created, into their own learning environment? Know your learners. You, you mm-hmm. have to know them. And not just as a person in your learning environment, but really take some time to get to know them. Their ins are out. What makes them tick? What is their likes or dislikes? How many people are in their family? Where do they live? What kind of food they like? What are their interests? And really take that time to know each and every learner because you can't change the system if you don't know what needs to change. And every learner is different. And so we can't fit everybody in that same box. We got to open up that box and we got to allow these learners to, to find themselves. And sometimes it's the most unorthodox way of doing it. But if we continue to open that box, let them flourish in their own way, shape, style, that's the best way to make this happen. And so to me, the, the biggest thing is making that connection, know your learners, know their families, talk to their parents, invite them to school, have them come in, have them sit with you. Don't only call for the bad things, glorify the great things and just uh, allow them to be them. And, that, and that's to me, that's the, the first step. Like Eric said, that literally is the first thing that needs to happen in a district that wants to change. In my humble opinion, and the next thing is you have to have staff that are willing to have the work ethic to basically rewrite a lot of their courses and, and lesson plans, which is a lot of work. And actually, before it you is, do that, yeah. you actually have to have the admin that is willing to let you do that. I mean, we have literally, like the, that's the trifecta, right? And we have it here at Lindsay. Yes. And I think part of it is because we're, we're a smaller community and we can make changes like that that happen quickly, whereas some of the bigger districts, they, they can't just snap their fingers and change an entire mm-hmm. culture that's been built up over, you know, 30 years where here at Lindsay, we kind of all did it at once. And you know, Eric said it, I said it, I've been really impressed at, at the admin letting us do these kinds of pretty, you know, out there type of things that, that they end up working. But you have to, so again, yeah, like Eric said, you, you have to know your learners first, figure out what they want, what they want to do. And then you have to have an admin that's willing to let you try some new things and break down some, some uh, traditional uh, ways of doing things. And then you ha- obviously have to have the work ethic, 
and of course the ability <laughs> yes. and LFs that are willing to do it to uh, yeah. to really rewrite those courses and those lesson plans and hook those learners into into learning. That's my goal is to get my learners addicted to learning. It's a problem I, I suffer <laughs> from <laughs> when I when I go home. You know, sometimes I'll go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. I'm just I'm just I can't stop reading about things. I know I've, right. I was like that when I was young, just because I would spend time on my own on computer teaching myself. But teachers here, LFs here, can can get that same thing going in, in their learners by finding out what it is they like and then showing them, hey, there's no there's no barrier here in front of you. It's it's just you. If you can just start teaching yourself how to learn, then you can kind of go as far as you want. And, and I think that's the thing is, is knowing your learners and making it personal to them. Um, I've had some learners that just butt heads at times, but doing this project they've come up to me we're having conversations about exercise and nutrition Um, I'm not saying hey you know sit down and get on task Um, I think a lot of the distractions and the behavior issues are minimal um, because you're making learning fun you're taking something that's personal to them and making it relevant with what you have to teach and that's the thing you've got 50 million things you have to teach (laughs) And it's like sitting down and going, okay, how can I make this fun, engaging, multiple learning opportunities, and create a project that can encase all of these learning targets and having them work on this, and, and you'll see that they just flourish. And, and that's, that's the big thing here is, is really motivating these kids, but it's not just sitting there and you know, giving them a, a reward every now and then or whatever. They, they've got to have it intrinsically. Definitely. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. It's not. It is definitely not easy. But if you're willing to to take that time and put some effort and take a risk, if you're willing to risk it, you know, you, you put it all on the on the table and you say, hey, we're, we're going to swing and we're going to see if we if we hit it. But if not, then we'll, we'll try something else. At JJ Karen's, we have learned just as much through our failures as we have through our successes with our our new program and to me that's part of the process you know we we have to be okay with with failing a little bit and learning from those failures in order to make a program that is going to be the best um, for the learners and I think that we've done a pretty a pretty good job at that and I know that we're going to continue to just build on it. You know, I'm excited. I, I look forward to next year. I'm already thinking and I'm already making contacts with our mentors and, and thanking them for speaking into the lives of our of our learners because being a mentor is, is just as difficult <laughs> because they're, 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 they're the ones that they're, they're on the ground and they're speaking. I could say one thing to a learner and it bounce off, but their mentors say the exact same thing. And it's amazing because they're like, yes, I need to do this. Like, I've been telling you that all semester. <laughs> and, and it's amazing because I've seen it. So uh, I, I look forward to seeing what the program can be. I know what it is right now, and it's amazing. But to kind of look forward and say, wow, what can it be? Th- there's no limit. There, there really is no limit on how successful our program can be. And, and I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off. Well, it's pretty cool that obviously your mentors are willing to do that, just like you're doing, you know, Ian. Obviously, they care just as much as you guys, and they probably saw when you approached them how much you care, mm-hmm. and they stepped up pretty much to say, "All right, I'll, I'll take someone on." It's it's, it's cool. hard. I mean, Ian can can tell you. I mean, when we said, "Hey, Ian, 
we got a learner for you. We want, <laughs> he says, hold on, man. Let, let me meet with him. I'm not sure. Let, let's kind of, and, and I know it took a lot of, of begging on our end. And we had Miss Shelton kind of um, talking up Chris. And, and you know, now I, I, I see Chris working on weekends. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, I, I've wow. Seen, I've, seen him in here. <laughs> I've seen him in here, actually. And he, I've been super yeah. impressed with how professional he is. And he, you could just tell he's not just there to pass the time. He's, right. he's, he's plugged there. in. I, I'm impressed. So is it easier to work with a smaller group of kids yes and no um one of the biggest things that we always get is well of course you guys can do it you guys are small <laughs> you can mm -hmm. make it happen we do get a, a different dynamic we're able to make daily contact with each and every one of our learners and because yeah. of that we're able to develop insight on what's going on in their lives daily i could tell you each learner what's going on how the day is going I think that could happen at any campus. I think that it takes a little bit more work to get to know every learner, but I think at every campus they can make those bonds, they create things that are going to be um, lifelong as, as long as they're willing. Again, it's not easy, but you have to put the time in. Well, thank you for putting in the time to come on the show today. Tyler Campbell, Eric Gonzalez, and Debbie F. Saif, we appreciate your expertise, and it's always great to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting thank us. Thank you. That was awesome. And thank you for joining us on Lindsay Live. It's been an exciting first year for us, and we hope we've provided you with some insight into what the performance-based system is all about. Have a great summer, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. We'll return this fall with more exciting conversation from PBS experts and Lindsay stakeholders. So stay tuned to Lindsay Live.